Welcome, everybody, back to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am senior writer Jake Kokorowski, back again. Second episode back on the podcast. We got a lot going on. We're going to have John McNamara, our editor and recruiting analyst, discuss more about the season, some season predictions, maybe some prop bet type noise we'll have going on there. But first, you know, like I said, we're starting with the meat and potatoes of the podcast right away. Not a lot of intro, but I will introduce Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated, film analyst and host of BWI Daily. And I talked to him earlier this week for hit their podcast on YouTube. Make sure you check that out. I'll make sure I have the link up on our website as well and in our game center, among other things, uh, for your viewing and listening pleasures. But, you know, Thomas Frank, man, T. Frank, I'm happy to have you on the show. Welcome aboard as Wisconsin, Penn State, both top 20 ranked teams head into the 2021 season with a lot to prove after underwhelming seasons. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always uh, enjoy the return volley where uh, where I get to sit on this side and I get to answer some questions. So it's always fun talking football. I mean, you could pay me to do it, which some people do, but I would do it for free. So I'm super excited to be here. I'm so glad the season is here and uh, we get to talk some football. So let's get to it. I'm, I'm tell- looking forward to it. Awesome. I ain't telling Nate that you're editor, buddy. Uh, I won't say that. uh, (laughs) That, I shouldn't have said that out loud, huh? That was probably a bad idea. (laughs) Not going to go good negotiations next time. Whoops. Uh, Anyways, uh, but yes, we're here with, you know, Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated and and kind of starting off the bat. I talked about kind of the underwhelming seasons as that intro for this podcast. Wisconsin was four and three, obviously had some cancellations due to the COVID-19 numbers within the program, you know, with Penn State, four and five in 2020 lost their first five games before rebounding to become, you know, to win four straight. Just what are your expectations for Penn state this season after last year? Well, certainly better than last year. And, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy watching what was happening in Wisconsin from afar with the way they started. And then immediately after hearing about Graham Mertz in that first game, Oh, look at that. Their season fell apart. Penn State had a similar sort of situation, except that they played every single game where they were not. They were James Franklin. And if you've been following the story nationally, his family spent last year in Florida without him because one of his daughters has, I believe, sickle cell anemia, which is a pre-existing condition and can be exacerbated from COVID. So he didn't see his entire his family for the entire football season. And basically, the minute he came into contact with his players and coaches, they had to stay apart. And that was, he took it very seriously. So last year, Penn State didn't practice together. They didn't work out together. They, they met in like quads where they would have like four parts of the team that all practice separately. Quarterbacks wouldn't, weren't together. Receivers weren't together. So it took a toll on this program. And, and James Franklin is very outspoken about making it a family atmosphere, making it about closeness, about bond, uh, about all of those things. And they literally couldn't do any of those things. So you know, it's been said a couple of different ways, but I think the best way to say is Penn State lost their mojo last year. So all of those problems are now gone. So I, I I would expect a rebound in 2020. But then the question is, is their schedule going to allow that to happen? Because they start with Wisconsin. They have Auburn uh, week three. And then, the, you know, it's just it's a really tough schedule to start the year. 
So I do expect to bounce back. I, I, I think that 2020 was such an aberration in so many different ways from the fact that they had a first-year offensive coordinator that could literally not install his offense in person until they met in October, like right before the games. So they're installing everything virtually. Sean Clifford is put into a, another new offense and can't learn any of these things, throwing to his starting receivers, you know, for the first time in, again, in late September, early October, right before they play. So those are all factors that I think last year, because they played every game, people don't really give those as much credence as the situation in Wisconsin, where we we saw them, their season was physically disrupted. Um, so I do think that that's going to be a factor for them and a rebound factor for them this year. So I, I expect a good Penn State season, but what's the high end? I, that's the part I think that we're going to find out early on. Now you talked about new offensive coordinator, you know, in January, James Franklin hired another coordinator, Mike Yursich, who has an impressive resume came from Texas where they put up 42 points per game. I tallied, was it how many games? 40 plus points last year, Penn state only had, I think three that were over 30, 35 ish yeah. uh, on that end. You had also what he did, you know, he put up almost 40, 475 yards per game for the Longhorns last year in 2019. He was the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Justin Fields in Ohio state before yep. that for five, six seasons at Oklahoma state tutored Mason Rudolph and what they did at Oklahoma state with their offense. So with all that being said, and what he did as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach with Sam Ellinger at Texas last year, just what influence can he have over Sean Clifford and that Penn State offense? It's a really great question. And I, I wish I had a smart crystal ball answer. I, Sean Clifford is going to be better in 2021 than he was in 2020. Uh, and I've talked about this a lot on the BWI Daily Edition where I looked at some of the numbers uh, of of what Mike Yersich does is he's an aggressive downfield uh, coordinator that likes to throw the ball deep. Last year, because of everything that happened at Penn State, they threw the ball deep less than 10% of the time. So it, it squeezed the football field on the offense. And there was a lot of new pieces outside of Jahan Dotson. They were starting two true freshmen at one point between um, Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington. And then after Pat Fryermuth goes down with injury, they're starting a redshirt freshman at tight end. Now, I think all of those players are very talented, but it was their very first year in a new offense, never being able to install anything. It was just so, going back to the thing, it was so alien. All of those things are gone. They've had spring ball. They've had install. The question just becomes, how good can they be out of the box? Because the parallel here is 2016, where, Joe Moorhead, and this is what Penn State's been trying to recapture since he left to go be the head coach at Mississippi State, is can you get that explosive downfield passing attack? And even that team that had generational talent, and I know we talk about Saquon Barkley and that team a lot, but Mike Yasicki was the tight end. He is a young emerging tight end in the NFL. Chris Godwin is the best receiver I've seen personally in, in person play football uh, and is a top receiver in the NFL now. All three of those guys were on the same offense. So it wasn't just Barkley. It was, you know, the trigger man, McSorley was great, but they were two and two to start the season. And that was a installing a brand new offense. So is that the parallel this year or can they get out to a hotter start than they did when they played in 2016? Um, that is the biggest difference that you'll see from Sean Clifford this year is I do believe that Kirk, uh, Kirk Shiraka had 
kind of a, I, I don't want to make the, just the, the blatant comparison, but it was more of a Wisconsin approach of run the football, suck everyone in the box, then throw the ball deep. Mike Yersich is much more of we're going to design plays to target weaknesses in the defense down the field, and we're going to aggressively exploit those. That is a much better fit for what James Franklin wants this program to be, but much better fit philosophically. And I think personality wise, from what we've seen, a much better fit with Sean Clifford. So all of those things will be improved. It's again, goes back to the schedule of can they do it versus Wisconsin and and that really good defense they're starting out of the box. I think it's going to be a good game. And I do think Sean Clifford will make more plays and silence some of the doubters. But, you know, your guess is as good as mine when it comes down to the final score. <laughs> you know, and here we're with Thomas Frank Carr from BWI Blue White Illustrated, our rivals cousins that cover Penn State athletics. And kind of going to the flip side of this, Penn State lost some key contributors, Shaka Tony, Adafe Owe, key components of that defensive line. Obviously, Micah Parsons didn't play last year, but he's another big time name that went to the NFL draft from Penn State's defense. Just in your eyes, who's going to replace that production from that line? But also, who else should Wisconsin fans know about being key contributors for Penn State's defense across you know the three levels there? So it, it, to, I think the real problem here would be depth when it comes to the front seven. So they're starting four on the defensive line. It'll likely be Nick Tarburton. P.J. Mustafer has moved into more of a traditional nose tackle role. Penn State doesn't run a true three down front like Wisconsin, but he's moving into more of a three tech or a, uh, a uh, nose tackle body type. He'll be playing on the front side of runs more regularly. So he has gotten up to 327 pounds playing with more of that natural run stuffer body type. They bring in Derek Tangelo. He's a transfer from Duke, another guy that I think is an underrated run defender, but as far as the pass rushing metrics, he's a very good pass rusher from that three technique. They have Akeem Beeman behind him who looks like a defensive end but plays uh, defensive tackle. And then Arnold Ebikidi, another transfer. They relied on the transfer portal, which is new for James Franklin, to bring in guys to start in these one-year sort of roles. Arnold Ebikidi at uh, Temple was a phenomenal pass rusher, and I think he's going to be a standout for this team. So they lose Adisa Isaac, who was um, the young up-and-coming guy, to an injury this offseason. They're playing around with Jesse Lucchetta being a defensive end linebacker hybrid to kind of bridge that gap. But really, it's going to be the starting four that I mentioned with, with the addition of Beeman in there, I think, on passing downs, that are going to be the front four. Uh, when it comes to the linebackers, Brandon Smith is an athletic phenom. Six foot three, 245 pounds, runs a four, four, three. He's an explosive, violent hitter. He was playing out of position last year because of what the situation dictated with Micah Parsons. They were planning on having him play uh, the will linebacker position. He opts out, but they decided to keep Brandon Smith where he was practicing all offseason at the Sam linebacker, the field linebacker. And he was really out of position playing in space. He wasn't natural covering ground like that he's now moving into the box so all that physicality that explosive downhill speed he's expected to be a difference maker up front and then replacing him at that other linebacker position guy was a much more natural fit you know high four-star linebacker and curtis jacobs who we saw a little bit in flashes last year as a true freshman he i'm i'm very excited to watch him play football uh, a natural playmaker. He can he can cover. He's got safety-like skills. And from what I saw in some scrimmages this spring, he can make plays behind the line of scrimmage too. Uh, natural tendency to blitz and to get into the backfield. He's got uh, physicality to go with his 
good movement skills. So those guys are the guys that I'd be watching for. Um, can you get Curtis Jacobs to make some redshirt freshman mistakes? That would be my question. And then does the depth hold up against a Wisconsin line that we all know has some very talented, very physical players up front, but that that'd be the front seven. And then the back set or the, the back four, possibly the most talented one uh, unit that Penn state's had in a long time in the secondary led by Jaquan Brisker, who was, uh, I believe he was either an All-American or or not a consensus All-American, but was on several All-American lists last year. He's moving again into another natural position where the, the, the depth and pieces are better around him than last year. He was kind of put into a tough position. I think his playmaking skills are going to come to the surface more this year. And then on the outside, Tariq Castro feels healthy. He wasn't last year. Joey Porter Jr. looks like a condor. He's got like 36, 37-inch arms former uh, NFL player's son. So he's got, you know, good football skills. He needs to take a step forward when it comes to his ability to make plays on the ball, but the physical ability to do that is there. So they very talented, very deep at corner as well. Another guy that you might hear about is Kalen King, a true freshman four-star from Detroit, who is uh, James Franklin called him the most physically prepared, most advanced freshman he's had at Penn state. So that position Penn state has had a hard time finding playmakers to make plays uh, you know, on the ball and to get pass breakups and interceptions. They'll have the opportunity to do that this year. They are very loaded in that secondary. And many Badger fans that follow recruiting will know about King because Wisconsin also recruited King uh, and his brother uh, as well. And they both chose Penn state for that matter. Uh, you know, T Frank, we got one more question for you before we let you go on the badgerblitz.com podcast, of course, brought to you by overtime media. What are the key matchups in your eyes for Saturday's matchup? So actually something that we talked about uh, on the BWI daily edition earlier this week, um, the revelation that Wisconsin is going to do less two gapping and they're going to be more aggressive up front. Penn state has some, again, very talented players on the right side of the offensive line. Juice Scruggs has a great story. If you haven't uh, before check out some of the stuff on juice, because he's come back from a horrible car accident to be a very talented player on the right side of the line. Super limited experience starting Caden Wallace. He came at the end of last season. I still believe that we haven't seen him truly tested the way he will be in this game. So that matchup along the offensive line is going to be interesting. They're going to have a rotation at left guard. I think eventually my opinion is Eric Wilson. He's a transfer from Harvard. He's going to be the lead guy there because he's a steady experienced three-year player in the Ivy league, really good football player. Um, and just kind of, he got here in, in fall camp and is, you know, a, a good football player, but doesn't have that high upside. But the question at that left guard position, and then you've got Rashid Walker, Mike Miranda, both returning players with over 1,300 snaps. Walker could be an all pro. That's how talented he is. But that offensive line to me still is a small question mark. And when you're going up against this front seven, to me, that's a really interesting thing. And then it's always the quarterback versus the secondary. James Franklin mentioned this week the opportunities that are presented by the way Wisconsin plays football. They play a lot of man coverage. He's very confident in his receivers and his skill positions that we talked about earlier. Brenton Strange uh, is a very athletic tight end. I, he's in that George Kittle mold. I think if you want to talk about it, not again, not skill set, not overwhelming skill <laughs> like that, but a right. former receiver who plays at 250 pounds. He's that poppy, twitchy, explosive athlete. And then for him, it's just going to be, can he break tackles and make plays on the run? Everyone knows Jahan Dotson. So they're, I think they're planning on winning some of those one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside. And of course, on the flip side, Sean Clifford can't turn the ball over. 
But I'd say the, the the Wisconsin secondary would be the biggest matchup going into this game that I'm going to be looking at outside of the offensive line, keeping Clifford healthy. T. Frank, it's great. One, meeting you in person. Like We're, we're doing this via uh, just some recording software. I get to see you actually live right now, but I saw you even live this past week, you know, earlier this week, working with you uh, for the BWI Daily and talking Wisconsin there, man. It's great working with you. What else can fans expect from blue white illustrated going forward this week with game coverage yeah so uh, just a quick background on who i am and what i do uh i do film analysis for blue white illustrated so i break down uh every game post game with video cut-ups of basically building a narrative of what happened during the game from a scheme standpoint what were the key plays and situations from a football x's and o's perspective uh and you know i've i've been doing film analysis for a long time i do uh, commitment breakdowns for Penn State football uh, from, you know, the the recruiting standpoint. I, I work for PFF as well. So I've, I'm a game analyst for PFF. So I've got a background in in uh, training in football and some analytics. So I've got all that stuff over at uh, BWI.Rivals.com. And of course, the BWI Daily Edition, I also have a background in radio. So I, I've done radio for a decade now, and I'm bringing all of those skills over to YouTube and to the podcast world where I now have a Monday through Friday show that you were on earlier this week. And we do 25, 30 minutes. Sometimes if I'm going crazy, we'll do an hour long podcast talking about Penn State football and uh, and some of the things that are in the orbit around that. So that's what we got going over at uh, Blue White Illustrated. Of course, great content from the other guys at the site and what they do covering the game for Penn State. Well, Thomas Frankman, we appreciate you jumping on the show, uh, you know, this week. Looking forward to talking more down the road. Hopefully uh, there's more talk about Wisconsin, Penn State, maybe down uh, in Indianapolis coming up. Uh, we'll see how that rolls. Uh, so that was a fun maybe... game last time. I'd love to see that again. Yeah, that was, that was, a great that was game. an intense game. That was an intense game. I know Wisconsin fans wouldn't be too happy about it, but hey, I, I get the ch- chance to talk with you again. Uh, you know, enjoy covering college football again in 2021 and appreciate you having uh, coming on. Thanks for having me. Folks. That was Thomas Frank Carr from BWI Daily, Blue White Illustrated. Make sure y'all check them out, especially with what we got going on with at Rivals. If you have a Rival subscription, especially with the premium stuff, it's great because we have that ability to not just look at Wisconsin stuff at Badger Blitz, but you can also go to Blue White Illustrated and see everything that they're doing over there. And they do amazing work over there. That includes Thomas Frank as well. So, you know, Folks, let's take a quick break because we had some great analysis of Penn State. I got to pay some bills, so maybe two or three commercials. We'll come back. John McNamara and I will discuss season predictions, maybe some prop bet type discussions in terms of over and unders. We got a lot of fun coming up here on the week one edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. We are back here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, brought to you by Overtime Media. Thanks for tuning in again, and big thanks to Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated, BWI Daily, giving his thoughts and previewing the Penn State Nittany Lions. Of course, again, Saturday's matchup, 11 a.m. Central Time on Fox, inside Camp Randall Stadium. I'm now joined by... BadgerBlitz.com's editor, recruiting analyst, John McNamara, because there is 
a lot of recruiting news going on, a lot of uh, recruits coming to Madison. And of course, we had to have him on to talk about who will be in Madison this upcoming weekend. John, hope your Thursday night's going well, uh, first off. And two, uh, this is going to be a very busy weekend for Wisconsin recruiting. It is. And usually one weekend in the fall, um, at least for game day visits, is kind of the big weekend for the staff. And it looks like they're going to they're gonna get things started right away this Saturday. Um, a lot of prospects, you know, not only from that, that 2022 class, um, you know, a ton of kids from the 2023 class and even some kids from the 2024 class, um, Wisconsin's going to be able to get on campus. Um, I, I think if you look at, you know, the immediate need and, and the immediate cycle that we're looking at, really two of Wisconsin's top remaining targets in Billy Schroth and Carson Hintzman um, are going to be on campus. Both those guys took officials uh, this summer, and this is going to be their return trip there. Uh, you know, Hinsman has seen a handful of games at Wisconsin, and that goes all the way back to 2019. But um, this will be Strauss' first game, um, you know, in Madison, getting that game day experience. So obviously, those guys are top priorities for Wisconsin um, to finish off that 2022 class. You know, you go beyond that, and they they're bringing in a lot of guys in that 2023 class, which is, um, you know, guys are just getting started with their junior season right now. Um, you know, some guys who have offers. You know, you look at a guy like J.T. Smith. You know, arguably one of their top running backs um, that they have on their board right now. Um, Avery Johnson's a quarterback that has an offer. Um, they're getting him on campus. So, uh, you know, it's a really exciting group of, of juniors that they're going to get there. And then, you know, you go all the way to 2024, um, David Stone, who is the first prospect that Wisconsin's offered uh, in that class. He will be on campus. He's coming all the way from Oklahoma. And he's got a family connection there. Um, his uncle's Marcus Landry and I'm sure people who listen to this podcast uh, are familiar with that name. He obviously played for the Badgers basketball program, so he'll be there. Um, and then from inside the state, Derek Jensen um, is a guy I think um, who could leave with an offer in hand. You know, big six foot six, 280 pound offensive tackle from Arrowhead High School. So um, a, a ton of guests. Uh, I have it more detailed and more broken down um, in an article that you can find on BadgerBlitz.com. But yeah. Um, you know, we'll have tons of game coverage on Saturday and then I'll roll right into Sunday with a lot of recruiting content. I think that is going to get us through, you know, really going into next week. I think we should have a bunch of content up from uh, everyone who is on campus this, this upcoming weekend. It will be busy on multiple ends for us at Badger Blitz, like John said, with that game coverage, with recruiting, uh, with really going to that 2022 class with Strouth and, and Hinsman, just what does it mean to get them on campus for that first game of the year? Having Penn State, uh, a very you know top twenty-five opponent, top twenty opponent for that matter, but also a stripe out uh, in the atmosphere. The first game back for fans since the twenty nineteen season, and you know especially against who Wisconsin's going up against, like a Notre Dame for Strouth, and then also Ohio State for Hinsman. It's big and. Uh, you know, a big piece to this too is a lot of the current commits in this 2022 class are going to be there. Um, you know, there's 13 commits if you include the two walk-ons um, that are in Wisconsin's class right now. And um, like I said, the majority of those guys will be on campus. So, you know, for for Shrouth and Hinsman to spend you know more time with the guys who are already committed and have you know those guys in their ear, I think um, is going to be big for Wisconsin and. You know, I think I felt, you know, for a long time that both these guys do end up at Wisconsin. But like you talked about, Jake, um, you know, Billy Schroth looking really strongly at Notre, Notre Dame. Um, Carson Hinsman, we just had an article up about him. Um, you know, he's he's going to go out to Ohio State. And you know, it sounds like Wisconsin and Ohio State lead the pack right now. But 
you know, Minnesota, Iowa, um, they're also in the mix as well. So um, in the end, I do think they get both, but, you know, getting them on campus right away um, this weekend is, is pretty big for the coaching staff. Now, kind of turning our attention to the team itself. And, of course, go to BadgerBlitz.com for the recruiting news, and John's going to have a bunch of it up. Uh, he set it up this week. He's going to have it next week and obviously beyond. But kind of just going into what do you, you know, what you expect. You've been covering Wisconsin, you know, for, what, 15, 15-ish years, 16-ish years now. With this 2021 team, just what should the expectations be for the Badgers after what we saw last year and a four and three campaign in 2020? Yeah, I think there's enough that happened last year when you can talk yourself into, or maybe not even talk yourself into, you know, you chalk last season up to, there was a a lot going on. Uh, You know, obviously COVID affected every program in the country. Um, Wisconsin was hit particularly hard. Um, And, you know, that's all been well documented. Um, I think the injuries on the offensive side of the ball, you know, were were significant and they played a a big role in in how Wisconsin's offense looked. Um, You know, you expect Graham Mertz to take another big step in his development. And he's a guy who was out with COVID. His quarterback coach is out with COVID. So I think the kind of list goes on and on if you really want to say that was kind of blipping the radar and Wisconsin gets back on track. And, you know, I I think that's what they do. Um, But I think it's largely in part, of what we've seen from the defense this fall. And obviously Jake, you've been at, at all those fall camp practices and this has the feeling of a defense that um, can be one of the best in the country. Um, if they you know get a little bit better at getting to the quarterback. And I think they'll be able to do that with Nick Herbig, um, maybe with Leo Chanel too. And, you know, even guys up front, you know, maybe a guy like Keanu Benton um, has a handful of sacks this year. So um, I think the defense is going to be good. I think the offense, you know, I don't know that they'll put up fireworks right away, but I think as the season goes on and if they are healthy, you know, particularly Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, um, you know, I, I see this team getting back to Indianapolis and, and playing um, in the Big Ten title game. And, you know, then it, it's it's very much like we've seen in past years. You get there and, and can you knock off Ohio State? So, that's where I see Wisconsin going, um, making it through the West, getting back to Indianapolis. And then, you know, how do you stack up against Ohio State, which will, if history tells us, which will likely be there. We're here with John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com, of course, our editor and recruiting analyst. With the game on Saturday, and I see on multiple sides, you know, obviously storylines that could dictate the outcome What's the biggest storyline for you with this cross-divisional clash between the Badgers and, and the Nittany Lions? You know, there's there's a number of things. I think you could obviously say, okay, what's Graham Mertz going to do? I think that's, you know, a popular answer, an easy answer. Uh, you know, I like Wisconsin's matchup in terms of the tests that they're going to get from Ohio State's wide receivers. You know, not only the cornerbacks, you know, Fan Hicks and, and Caesar Williams have a big uh, you know, an, an assignment there, but, you know, in the back end too, you know, will they test, you know, Scott Nelson? Um, will they test Colin Wilder? So, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking at there because, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at maybe where the defense is, is a touch shaky, it could be in that back end there. So I think they're going to get a really good test early, but I also want to see the running backs. You know, you're going to the season, you know, Ches Malusi is kind of a, an unknown, you, you know, you, you heard good things about him fall camp. He's the number one starter on the depth chart. Um, you saw a little bit of Jalen Berger last year. You expect to see Isaac Arendo. Um, maybe you see Braylon Allen as well. So uh, 
I think those two things, probably above Mertz in my mind, are, are what I'm excited to see and what I'm curious about to see against Penn State. Right. I think the number one storyline for me is what you just said with Wisconsin secondary taking on Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington. Those two receivers combined for 88 receptions last season and 14 touchdown uh, catches as well. So to me, that that stands out. But, you know, I, I you know, I'll say on that defensive side of the ball, just that pressure. And you talked about the, the two levels, the front seven uh, with Leo Chanel, Nick Herbig, possibly even Keanu Benton, I think. Really, what we saw in that fall camp, I'm in my storyline is going to be can Wisconsin get the Sean Clifford and make him extremely uncomfortable? There's a new offensive coordinator with Mike Urich. We talked with Thomas Frank about that a little bit earlier in this podcast. Can Wisconsin get make him uncomfortable and then also create takeaways? Because if they can do that, obviously, that's what you want in front of a home crowd, you want the crowd jumping and, and yelling and, and making it difficult for the offense to communicate. Uh, I think they will get some pressure on there, uh, but when it comes to Wisconsin too, they're going to have to defend Dotson and Washington uh, in that secondary and play them tight. Uh, we'll see if they can get some explosive plays out of your Sitch's offense there. A uh, couple more things for you, John, to just maybe just, Going some seasonal predictions. Let's talk maybe some over-unders. I'll make up some uh, off the bat. Uh, you talked about Graham Mertz. Touchdown passes. Over, under, let's say 19 on that end. Do you think he'll have over or under 19 touchdown passes this season? I'm going to go over, and I'm going to go over because I think you're going to see Malusi and Berger be on the receiving end of, of maybe a handful of touchdowns. I think those guys are good receivers and, and maybe Mertz gets some through them. And, you know, he could throw three, four, five touchdowns against Eastern Michigan too. So um, if he's healthy and he makes it through the whole year, I think he goes over there. And I think a big part of that is he's got receivers coming out of the backfield. Um, you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor, I think showed you a little bit of that later in his career, but I mean, he was very much a, a ground and pound type of guy. So I think Berger and Malusi give you a little bit something different there um, in terms of, and you know, you put Garendo in the same mix as well. Obviously he started as a receiver when he uh, arrived on campus. So maybe you get a little bit more receiving production in the backfield and maybe that helps you go above 19. So I'm going over. Yeah, I'll go over real quick. I think Chimray DK is in for a big year. We saw him during spring ball and fall camp. All you know, and I thought he made some really big plays on his end. Uh, I'll also go with uh, you know, I think Danny Davis could have a breakout year again, staying healthy. Kendrick Pryor showed his speed, he made some great catches during fall camp. Jake, we're not even talking about Jake Ferguson yet, too. Uh, and, and Jack Eschenbach, who I think is really sure handed, I think the tight end group uh, is, is deep with players that could contribute in certain ways. Of course, that's led by Ferguson and Eschenbach. On top, and then you mentioned the running backs too. So, uh, yeah, I'll go over. Probably, I'll say like 25-ish maybe. I think he could hit uh, depending upon how. And I think really the another key part is the passing game itself needs, I think, to be more prevalent. Uh, there's still no Jonathan Taylor in that backfield. I think Malusi and Berger are going to be good in the running game. I think the, the offensive line will be able to move the ball and grind and wear down opponents. But that passing game needs to be there to keep Defense is honest. Uh, I think they have the firepower to do it, uh, which goes into my next question for you. Will there be a thousand yard rusher for Wisconsin this season? 
I would, I'm going to say no. I, I just because I, I think again, this is all assuming everyone's healthy, assuming things stay relatively as far as what you would expect. And, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot of the top two guys. I you think you're going to see Garendo. Um, Gary Brown has spoken pretty highly of him during the fall. And I think you'll see Braylon Allen. So, you know, you look at those four guys and no one's a guy that it's going to get 20 plus carries in a game. So, you know, you could have one guy at 800, one guy at 700, one guy at 350, one guy at 150 site. So I, I think that they're going to rush as a, as a unit above a thousand, but I don't see one guy from this group eclipsing a thousand by himself. I think they'll get real close, but I I'll go under or I'll, I'll under or no, whatever the answer is. <laughs> uh, I'll go, you know, I, I think that someone will get over. I think there will be a down at back that gets over a thousand yards. I don't, I th- could be burger. could be Malusi. I'm not sure who uh, I do feel. I liked what I saw on Malusi in that backfield where, you know, Gary Brown mentioned before fall camp began in early August saying that he f- believed that Malusi is a three down back. I, I think both Malusi and burger could be three down backs at some point. Uh, the, the two of them, I think they're gonna be a good one-two punch. I do feel the running game is gonna be a lot better. I think maybe a squeak by in terms of a thousand yards, maybe like like maybe like eleven hundred yards potentially uh, for an individual back. But I think the running game will be improved nonetheless. Uh, flipping to the defensive side of the ball, though, how many sacks will this defense get? Let's put the over under. If they go for three sacks per game. In 12 contests, that's 36. Let's say 36 and a half. Will they have more than 36 and a half, or will they have less this season? Uh, yeah, that I guess when I hear that number, it seems high. It seems high to have three sacks a game. 36 seems high. And they had 51 um, uh, in 2019. Okay, so that that's good perspective there. I mean, so... That 2017, that 2017, 2017 was around 40 ish, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly doable, right? I, you know, you, you expect it from Herbig. You know, I don't know that Noah Burks is going to get you. He's not a guy that's in there to, that, you know, you, you kind of know what you're getting with Noah Burks, but, you know, Herbig, depending on the leap he takes, I mean, could he get eight, nine, 10 sacks this year um, just by himself, you know, potentially? Um, right. I think I started under, but now I talked myself into over. Um, <laughs> I think I'll go over <laughs> here. Um, you know, I think up front, too, you're going to get some pressure and, and some sacks up front. So I'll go over um, because I, th- I think this this unit's going to be very good. Right. In 2017, they had 42 on that end. So and that was led by guys that had, like Garrett Dooley led the team. If I'm not mistaken, they led the team in sacks like seven and a half. And so others came up and they made plays. I'm looking right now through the stats. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Six and a half from Alec James, seven and a half from Garrett Dooley, six and a half from Andrew Van Ginkle, just three and a half from Leon Jacobs, but he, he had nine and a half uh, tackles for loss. So that all that slowly adds up. And I think with this team for Wisconsin, Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, I think maybe I'll set an over for them for five and a half sacks this year. Chanel, probably nine and a half sacks. I'll set the over under. I think he'll go over uh, potentially. I know Colton Bartholomew talked to us last week about that. And he, he felt that, you know, it would be surprising if he didn't have, you know, 10 or more on that end. Uh, and then I think Herbig, I think Spencer Lytle, we haven't even talked about like the depth that outside linebacker. I think guys like 
CJ Getz and Spencer Lytle will add to that total. We'll see if others can contribute with that group for Bobby April's room. And even, I think in the secondary, you could see Scott Nelson or others creep up and, and make some pressure on some blitzes too. So um, it's really going to be interesting to see just how Jim Leonard attacks, not just Penn state coming up on Saturday, but also how he plays chess with other teams, offensive coordinators and head coaches uh, going on uh, starting, you know, even with Eastern Michigan next week. Um, Last question for you, John, before we shut down the podcast for this week, what is your prediction win loss wise for Wisconsin in 2021? I thought you're going to give me an over under on this. I can go up or down. Uh, uh, Let's go nine and a half wins. Oh, no, no, uh, ten and a half. Ten, we'll go ten and a half okay. over under. Oh well, I would have jumped on nine and a half all day long. Um, <laughs> you know, they, I think they'll be favored in every game. You know, you would you would expect. Uh, uh, you know, you, and it's tough. It's tough to say. You know, you feel a lot better after seeing what they do against Penn State. I, I just who in the West really worries you. Um, that's what's going through my head as I say, I'll go I would above say Iowa. I would say Iowa just because it's Iowa and, and just the, the physicality and they have some returners there, but I know they also lost some uh, for that matter. So, I mean, I don't see, I know right now we're recording during Ohio state and Minnesota. So we're not really seeing what the Gophers are doing, even though they're missing their top wide receiver uh, for tonight's game. But I don't see anybody else from the West per se. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be Michigan. You'd see if they bounce back from last year. Penn State, obviously, this weekend. Notre Dame, uh, it will be, you know, will be a huge challenge at the end of this month. It's already the end, it's already September. I'm, I'm freaked out by that. But when they face Jack Cohn and company there, uh, it's going to be an intriguing month. I think this first month's really going to set everything up. Um, I'll, I'll go over. You know, I think they'll have, you know, I'll say 11. I'll, 11 and one, there's going to be some loss along the way. They should, I think FPI for ESPN favored Wisconsin in almost all the games. Last time I checked, uh, I'll stick with 11 and one with one weird loss coming somewhere. Uh, I, you know, it could be Notre Dame. It could be, gosh, we saw it happen in 2019 against Illinois for that matter too. So, okay. Well, uh, I'm going under then you're going under. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you talking through your over made me feel like I need to go under. Um, Fair. Yeah, I, again, I, I like this team. I like the defense. I'm not sold on Graham Mertz just yet for a Heisman Trophy. Um, I, I think he's he's still got to, he's still got some you know rungs on the ladder to climb, and you know he's a young quarterback, so that's expected. So I, I, I'll go under on that. Um, you know, two three slip ups this year, I, I could see that happening, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. But as of today, I'll, I'll take the under on that one. Excellent. Well, folks, that's it for this week's podcast. Make sure you subscribe on, of course, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, search edgerblitz.com podcast. We are here. Make Give us some reviews. Let us know how we're doing on that matter with this revamped podcast for the 2021 season. Also, follow us on Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on badgerblitz.com. Check us out on Twitter uh, for, for Badger Blitz. Just search us there. Uh, for John, it's at McNamara Rivals. For me, it's at Coco K-O-C-O. We'll see you guys next week. We'll talk about, quickly, a review of Penn State-Wisconsin. Look ahead to the non-conference opener against Eastern Michigan. 
and talk more recruiting and what John found out from all the recruits that were in Madison this upcoming weekend. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you guys next week on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media.